Ladies and gents, welcome to the fan's eye view. And in the view of one particular fan, what is better than extra football? Absolutely nothing. Gather Round is upon us this weekend. Everyone's head off to South Australia to enjoy the wine, to enjoy the rain, and most importantly, to enjoy all that football at Adelaide Oval and some delightfully uh, small and niche uh, sample grounds as well. But more importantly, to enjoy everything that the weekend will have to offer. And boy, we're only a month into the AFL season, but we've got some contenders, we've got some pretenders, and we've got Nicky G sitting opposite me with his red pen full of ink and ready to put a line through some of uh, the bigger clubs in the AFL. The action is bookended with some juicy top eight clashes and uh, the AFL very sneakily has hidden away some games that we might want to miss in an action-packed and jam-packed agenda. But as I said, sitting across from me is... Uh, again, a sad hawk. A sad, sad hawk after a rough Easter Monday. Nikki G, tell us about it. And more importantly, yes. the hot topic of the week that no one's been talking about. How many wigs should have Jeremy Cameron got for doing his best oh. uh, laser annihilation of a boundary umpire? A month at least. I mean, it was very well disguised by Jeremy Cameron. I think he had it on for that umpire all day. No, I'm joking. He that was It was quite humorous and... I'm glad no one got injured out of that. No concussions, nothing like that. So, um, yeah, it was a good laugh. Uh, yeah, again, luckily, no one got injured. It was a pretty hard hit from it Cameron. Was a you hit. don't want to be on the end of Jeremy Cameron at full pelt after a goal celebrating, especially. So, yeah. It was, it, was, it was a funny outcome in the end, though. Yeah, something for you to laugh about after, something you probably weren't laughing much about as a no. Hawks fan. But we'll talk about your Hawks later on because that game, bit of a bit of a you know anomaly, the youngest team in the AFL yes. versus one of the oldest versus the running premiers. The mm-hmm. result was to be expected, and they did it in a half of good footies. So hats off mm. to Geelong. Commiserations to Hawthorne. But media watch, some big topics this week. Let's get stuck in straight away. And the first off, gather round. Yes. So one of my friends is over in uh, SA. He made the pilgrimage. Yep. He's of uh, SA lineage, so he has a house there. His family lives there, all that good stuff. But they, their media watch is all chirping, like this is ours to stay now, this is ours to keep. Gather round makes perfect sense to be in Adelaide. Yep. Uh, they can't take it away from us. They took away from us football. Yeah. The VFL still exists. You guys yeah. get gather around every bloody week, which, <laughs> you know, to be much. fair, we do. We usually pretty, get four or five much. games before you hear, so yep. More fair teams. enough. Hats yep. off to them. That's probably correct. But um, what's your vibes on gather around as a fan and as a Melbourne fan? Obviously, if you were going to Adelaide, if you were living in South Australia, oh, it must be the best thing ever. I must have, yeah. I must but do you actually been, care as like a as a as one of those Melbournians that run the league? Not, not as much as I did a few months ago when it yeah. all got announced, to be quite honest. Uh, I wasn't the biggest fan of it. Um, when it got announced that the AFL was taking a leaf out of the NRL's book. But you know what? I've come around to it these last few weeks. And this morning, I must say, I was a bit jealous waking up and looking on Twitter to see everyone's photos at the airport, getting on a plane together, all in their footy gear. And um, yeah, I think it's going to make for a really fun weekend. And there seems to be a lot going on in South Australia, which is, um, yeah, Kudos to them for organizing all of that. Um, And I I think a lot of people will get around this, to Mm. be honest. Um, This could be a a yearly holiday for a lot of families and friends, mates, um, couples, whatever. Um, Even if it's not in Adelaide every year, if they share it around, if it's in Perth next year, Brisbane the year after, Tassie, uh, it could be a a yearly holiday for a lot of people. Like, you know, at the start of the year, where are we going this year? Bang, Adelaide for the footy, Perth for the footy, 
Darwin for the footy. Um, so, yeah, I'm a big fan of it. And as much as South Australians would love to keep it, and I think they'll do a very good job of it this weekend, I think it should be shared around. Yeah, and there's no real excuse now considering that a lot of the – pretty much every state has – capable grounds you probably need well you only need two two and a half grounds it looks like to host gather around most of the games at adelaide oval two at nor uh, norwood and one down in the wineries two and a half grandstands yeah two and a half grandstands (laughs) is all you require so yeah every state could do that and i think the traveling states makes the most sense but obviously we're saying that from as an entitled melbourne fan that gets to watch whatever game of footy we want any weekend by just wandering you know five minutes from our office down the mcg or catching a three and a half minute tram down to Mm. marvel so we are very blessed to to see all the games, but, you know, so be it. And a good time of year to not be in Melbourne. The comedy festival's on. There's some other things happening. Yep. We're getting the last little bits of autumn. So if you want to try and do other things before the long slog of footy and your commitment to footy begins in earnest as you come into, you know, May, June, July, yep. uh, yeah, good time of the year to enjoy other things that Melbourne has to offer. So all for it. Gather around wherever you want. Um, but as long as I don't do something stupid and bring it to Melbourne because that would be incredibly silly. But that Melbourne love is real. So the second big blow-up was yep. about broadcasters. And yep. apparently, and not apparently because uh, you work for one of them, uh, <laughs> you're not going to the games. Yeah. So you've got the inside, you've got yeah. the inside line here. Yes. All of the Melbourne-based uh, outfits, so not all of them, Channel 7 is going to every single game, and they made it very clear that that were at the Gabba last week and hats off them for, for proving a point. Mm-hmm. But uh, Fox Footy and a lot of the radio stations are choosing – or not yeah. choosing, uh, are not going to the game. So yeah. uh, would you like to tell the fans, as a fan yourself but also uh, and a member of the radio community, yeah. uh, why aren't you going to games? Well, th- this obviously happens. Uh, it's it's a fairly recent thing. Uh, it obviously changed all after COVID. Before COVID, every broadcaster, radio and television was going into state. Um, and then it obviously became a money-saving thing after COVID. They realized that, hey, we can actually do the broadcast from the studio, uh, save a lot of money by not sending everyone over there. Um, and still produce a, a quality broadcast. And I think today the AFL came out and actually supported that and said, yes, you are able to still produce a quality broadcast. We have no issues with that. So it looks like it's here to stay. I can't see that changing. Um, but this week for the gather round, I can confirm that I think a lot of radio stations and television networks will be sending a lot of their people over. So, I mean, let, let's see if it makes a difference. I, I From a fan's perspective, I... I can't really tell, to be honest. And more times than not, I'm not really even listening to the commentary, to be quite honest, but that's, that's just that's me. But I'm interested to know, do you, do you see much of a difference? I don't see much of a difference, I think, because a lot of the time, even if you're at the ground, if you're commentating, you have obviously the stadium in front mm. of you in real life, but also you have your plethora of screens, your, your stats yeah. boards, producers in your ear, like... The only thing you're not getting potentially if you're not the ground is the crowd atmos. But yeah. you're getting that fed through to you in your so, ears anyway. Yes, yeah. Um, and, like, I don't know, something you might not be able to see on one of those screens, but I think David King walked through it pretty well on SEN during the week and said, like, you know, there's every single camera angle is given to these broadcasters. For and television. So, for television. Yes. <laughs> um, and so, you know, there's no for television there's no real deficit. Yeah. And then yeah. for radio... Um, a lot of the time they are told to talk to the pictures. So 
Yeah. Some people listen to the radio whilst they're watching the television. Other people have it obviously at the ground. Um, but they're being told to like commentate as if it was a TV broadcast, and yeah. that's for, therefore they only really need the the TV sightlines that you'd get if you're watching the game. So yeah. I, I would at least have a boundary person there at the grounds. I don't know how they make that work. If they employ someone interstate who's always you know in that city. Uh, that that would probably be a good way of doing it, but yeah, I think you definitely need someone at the ground for yeah the ground condition conditions, the crowd atmosphere to be able to call things as you see them, injured players coming on and off, and to be able to be the first to call it. Yeah, I think that might be worth having. Mm. So there we go. I look forward to uh, your broadcaster changing their tune, setting some people out, and who knows it? You might just be campaigning for a job right now. You could be uh, oh, geez, on the plane, in and out, up to uh, <laughs> yeah. up to Darwin, up to up to Queensland, up to where no one else wants to go. So uh, I look forward to hearing all about your travel escapades. Uh, speaking of giving your opinion without really knowing what you're talking about, and we do that a lot as fans. Yes, unfortunately, uh, the the chat about Paddy McCartan's AFL future has come uh, forward to us, and everyone's trying to work out whether or not he should be allowed uh, to play footy anymore in a professional capacity. Do you have a view on this, Nick? Oh, yeah. It's it's really out of our depth, this question. I mean, we're no uh, doctors or experts when it comes to concussion, but what I can say, what, what, what we saw last week around Paddy McCartan was the actual injury, which looked quite sick, sickening, to be honest, because it was very innocuous like it didn't it didn't seem to be much to it at, at the time of the incident because um, usually when we see concussions it's a, it's a heavy head knock or a, the head slamming to the ground it, it looks really bad um, but it, it, it honestly it seemed like a very light tap to Paddy McCartan's head and I think that speaks volumes just to how serious his condition with concussions is um, and Hey, look, if if it's gotten to the point where, you know, his safety and his future um, is is at risk, then I think that has to come first as opposed to an AFL career, which is extremely sad for him. But, yeah, safety, safety always comes first, Gordo. Yeah, and I think, you know, media is paid to talk about these things. I think it's really dangerous when it comes to people's health and people's um, like if it influences, I'm sure it hasn't influenced his decision at all. I think he obviously would have a trusted advisory, his family, his closest friends, probably these confidants at the at the club, obviously the doctors, uh, all you know giving him sound advice. Uh, there was an interesting point made by Jared Waitley this week, though, saying that maybe the AFL needs a protocol as well, and so it's not actually given to you. It's just mm. you know the AFL's done the study; they've they've backed up with you know significant medical research and said this is the threshold for concussions. Once you break that threshold, unfortunately, you're not allowed to participate anymore, and you'd have some kind of insurance fund that you know the rest of your contract is paid out, so you're not you know losing out on potential earnings because of this. But at the end of the day, they also have a right as a uh, employer essentially to provide safe working conditions and you know if they're going to ignore this then that would not be a safe working condition so I think there's not much debate to be had I think just they they need to do the research they need to work out what's best for the players and then they just need to action it and mm, mm. you know people won't be happy with it people will say we're going soft or we're robbing people of their careers or whatever it is and at the end of the day uncomfortable and unpopular decisions have to be made for the betterment of you know the people involved and yep. in this case that would be Penny McCartan and we just hope that He's he's okay, and you know that's it really. Not that he gets back to playing football. Not that he you know 
you know, it's just I hope he's okay and he's dealing with all the things that must be going on right now. Another person who's dealing with a lot, uh, one of your old idols who then you burnt the jersey off when he made the big move to Sydney, yeah. is the Budwa. Yeah. And we, lo- I don't, not we, but the media, the mainstream media, loves bashing the Bud nowadays. Ever since he signed that big check at Sydney and he yeah. hasn't won the premiership that they desired, it's just been Buddy bashing. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. would have been okay if they won the premiership last year, but they didn't. They got spanked in that grand final. And uh, he didn't show up last week, apparently. He got held to eight, uh, eight disposals against Leo Lear, who you know is probably top three defenders in the competition right now. So yeah. you know, not the worst thing to happen ever in an AFL career. But apparently he's done. He's dusted. You know, People's experts, red pens, are putting a line through him. Have you put a line through, buddy? And more importantly... Apparently, this is going to be his last year. It's been setting out for a while now, but this is going to be his last, last, last year, the end of the John Farnham reunion tour. Yeah. Does he get to say how to say goodbye or, you know, should we just treat him like every other player and if he's not in your best 22, you just throw him to the side and make him force his way back in? Yeah. Well, I mean, look, it's fair to say there's no surprise that he's playing like a 36-year-old because, you know, he's, he's 36. 36. So... Um, yeah, it's it's a tough one because he is a legend of the game. Um, it'll be interesting to see how John Longmire deals with this situation because um, he's uh, horse has always been team first. Sydney has always been team first. So if Buddy doesn't fit in that team, then yeah, I think we'll be seeing Franklin managed cough cough mm. every couple of weeks or so, but. Yeah, they'll squeeze in a few more games for him. He'll kick a few more goals. Um, I, I can't see him playing every game for the rest of the season. Could there be like a, a Richo late career, you know, revolution, mm. chuck him out on the wing? Like, is he, does he have the, the capabilities and the skill set from a fan's point of view to like do that? Or is he a bit too far into yeah. the twilight now where he kind of has to, you know, stay in the front, in the forward yeah. and do a couple of things nice each game and kick a few goals and warrant his existence that way? Yeah, no, I think it's a bit different. I think he, his cars have given up on him. He's had a lot of those uh, soft tissue injuries of late. So, um, yeah, the, the way his career is going, um, or the twilight of his career, he's going to, instead of moving into the midfield, he'll be parking himself in the goal square for the next few games I think mm. and would you prefer him to play out the year in a in a dwining capacity or do you think he like, would you like him just to pull the plug like if, it, if, it, if they have an honest chat he sits down with Longmire sits down with his, with, his, with his teammates and goes look I wanted to play the whole year but clearly it's not working out next week's going to be my last week let's call it there I wouldn't like to see it no I'd like to see him go through the season um Obviously, I'd like to see him play well too and kick a few more bags, give us a few, you know, a couple more um, final buddy moments to see off the year, a couple more trademark goals. That's the way I'd like to see it happen. Um, Obviously, anything can happen from here on in. There's still a lot of footy to be played. Um, But, yeah, I I like the idea of, you know, a farewell tour. Mm. I think he deserves it. We'll be back after a quick break.
Yeah, that would be that would be the ideal scenario. The only trouble here is that obviously, well, not that City's had the best start to the year, but you know they're still in entrenched in the top eight at the moment. They've won you know two of their first four. Things are setting up for a nice season ahead, and you wouldn't want them to like risk a, a deep funnels campaign on you know trying to do the right thing by Bud. But then mm. again. Do the right thing by Bud, get him fit and fire him by the end of the year, and all of a sudden he can be that player that you know can kick the bag when they need it as well. So Sydney's good enough to work out how to do it properly, and they've done. An, they've had a good history of actually you know treating their legends with respect. So mm-hmm. I have no doubt that Buddy will be offered the same. And speaking of respect, Gather Round is here. Everyone's super excited for it. It means a very like long weekend of football. Lots and lots of football to be watched and some hard decisions to be made because we can't watch every single game as a fan. We do that for you because that's our job, but either fortunately or unfortunately, it's not the job of most of our listeners. Uh, and so we're going. I'm going to give you a, a game rating for each of the games. We're going to give you our tips and our analysis for each of the games as well, and then you can make a decision whether or not you're going like, to clear your schedule and watch it or uh, you know, do a little bit of uh, the housework and the chores uh, during some of the games that may not be worth your uh, full attention. But we'll stick stuck into tonight's game, Thursday night, Adelaide versus Carlton. Fast teams, exciting brands of football. This could be an instant classic. And, of course, it's Adelaide at the Adelaide Oval. The vibes will be there. Adelaide mm. City will be gone off chops. But Carlton, are they ready for the big stage? All of last year, this was the kind of thing. All of the last year, they come into a game, you know, we're undefeated, we're looking great, and then they come to Adelaide. And it'd be a you know, big Thursday night, Friday night fixture, and they, they wouldn't quite get it done. Yeah. And then even this year, every time they've been presented with a big fixture, they haven't quite seen to get with it, even against the Giants. Haven't quite seen it live up to their expectations. It's there. You can see it. It's building. Can they get it done and make a big statement? First game of Gather Round against Adelaide. You'd, you'd like to think so. I personally can't see it happening, but I do see this being a really big game. And uh, we forgot to mention earlier, I think um, eight of the nine games this round are actually sold out, and tonight's one of them. So it's going to be big. People showing up for Adelaide Carlton. As you said, Adelaide are playing an exciting brand of footy. But for the Blues, Gordo, they've, the six matches they've played at the Adelaide Oval, they've lost them all. Mm-hmm. By an average margin of 65 points. Pretty crazy. They've only played six games there, there as well. Yeah. 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 That's like, what, one a year or something even, like that? Even less with Port Adelaide playing there as well. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Luck of the draw, eh? But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they obviously, it's not a happy hunting ground for them. And last year as well, uh, that was one of the grounds they lost that in those final few rounds when the drop-off began. That was a shock defeat, um, a game they should have won against, uh, you know, uh, bottom three or four Adelaide side, whatever they were last year. But now if you look at the Crows, they're a completely different outfit. Uh, They were one of the teams I bought maybe last week or the week before. Um, They're playing some exciting footy. Absolutely smashed the Dockers last week. And um, yeah, again, like we've spoken about the Crows a fair bit on this podcast, but it's their forward line that is just... I reckon quickly becoming the envy of the competition. They've got a great mix of talls, smalls, um, yeah, mercurial type forwards like your Rankins and um, your Rochelles. And then obviously tonight, uh, the key forward comes back in, Darcy Fogarty. So yeah, it's a, it's a very dangerous forward line. And the, the, the way they move the, the ball in the forward half as well. Um, they, I think they score off most of their inside 50s and defensively as well. They're one of the best um, forward half defensive teams in the competition. So 
Can I see Carlton stopping that at the Adelaide Oval in front of a capacity crowd? They lose Sam Doherty, uh, which is a big loss. They get Sam Walsh back. Walsh obviously will come in a bit underdone after missing a lot of the preseason. It's going to be a tough task for them. It really is. It will be a tough task, but it is what they're built on. And so, ironically, you know, Carlton, one of the more high-scoring teams this this year in the AFL. Uh, Adelaide, as you said, very potent. They're scoring from 51% of their inside 50s, ranked number one in the AFL. But unlike other rebuilding teams, Adelaide has basically built themselves on their attack and on their forward line. Their defence, you know, they're ranked 13th inside 50 deficiencies. So, you know... They're not the one. They're not nothing to write home about in defence. It's good enough to get by. They're not really great at ball movement. They're not really great at defending against ball movement either. It's all based on get the ball inside fifty, and when we do, we score. And if we do that, Malcolm Blight football basically. Mm. We're just going to kick more points than everyone else, yeah. and that's how we don't win our games of footy. Yeah. Carlton, on the other hand, were based on defence and still are. So they love to control the ball from source. They very good at contested footy. Second best team in the competition, and they have the second best. Uh, inside 50 defense uh, teams are only scoring against them 38% of the time so it is actually going to be like real attack versus defense and then they've got the cream on top sometimes uh, Calvin, yeah. to, to score the other way as well so it will be a super tight clash you're gonna I'm leaning towards Adelaide uh, basically just because of vibe Thursday night gather around the, the ground's gonna be off chop and Carlton have just slipped up in those big games too many times too recently for me to be confident backing them in. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And also the Blues last year, just quickly before we go to the next game, um, we, we saw a really exciting brand of footy from Carlton last year, the, the high, high and fast scoring that they did in the opening one or two quarters. I, I, we haven't really seen that from them this year. It's been a different type of winning for them. They've won games. They've done what they've had to do. Um, accuracy in front of goal really played a part uh, for them last week against North Melbourne. But, they, I mean, they're sitting in the top four right now, so they won't be complaining. But I think we still uh, they've still got a fair bit to prove. Absolutely. And before we move on to the games, uh, as always, our friends at Sportsbet are continuing on their same-game multi-insurance campaign. So for games on Thursday and Friday, if you place the same-game multi and any of your legs lose, you get your money back up to $50 in bonus bets. Um, of course, if you do choose to gamble with Sportsbet, do so responsibly and think about uh, how else you could be spending that money. But if you do want to spend some cash, I've done some deep dive into some nerdy stats for you, as you mentioned there. Uh, Carlton, not that exciting with the football, not not playing that old school uh, score heaps of points as they were last year. Crows, however, 100 points in back-to-back games. So I can see the points line going over the 172, and I think Adelaide's going to win. So maybe Adelaide brings 100 points, maybe Carlton brings 80, and then oh, we're over. Mm-hmm. That being said, Paddy Cripps averages 30 points against the Crows from the last 10 matches. It's his second favourite opponent. I want him to get 25 or more. Taylor Walker, never goalless in 12 career games against the Blues. And he's uh, booted multiples in each of his last four games. So I'm going to get him for two. And Charlie Kerno has grabbed an equal high four contested marts per game so far this season. He's also had eight scoring shots and nine scoring involvements on average as well. So I'm going to have him for two. And, you know, currently we're sitting at $4.80. And to really give you the value, we'll take Adelaide at the line of plus two and a half. So the over, Cripps, Walker, Kerno, Adelaide, eight bucks. And uh, there's my tip as well. So from the hype of the Adelaide Oval on Thursday <laughs> night, we're going down to Norwood Oval. 
Apparently, there's a brick wall in the middle of the ground. That's where the hype and It's very close, apparently. Gill's played there when he played, you know, uh, amateur football over there in uh, in Adelaide. Very good footballer he was in too. Norwood, also one of the teams getting thrown up to be a, another addition to the AFL. Yeah, an expansion, expansion team. Yep, yep, yep. And they would have to change their, their stadium, obviously. Well, their, their ground. It's hardly a stadium. But anyway, they are yep. getting treated on a, an early start, 4 o'clock, early knockoff, could be a public holiday, who knows, uh, Fremantle versus Gold Coast. So obviously, you know, heaps of people flying across the uh, the country to go see this fixture. Will you be watching this game? Because, frankly, I've given this one a pass. <laughs> well, we're going to be at work by the time this one kicks <laughs> off. And I feel sorry for the people in Perth as well watching this because, what, that'll be, what, 2 o'clock for them on a Friday? Yeah, a good reason to kick off early, yeah. you know? Really? Yeah, bring it, you know, do the old dual screen on your monitors. Yeah, true. Put it up on your whatever streaming device you want to use on your on your phone. Yeah. No, but in all seriousness, this, yeah, it doesn't look too exciting. Freo and Gold Coast for me have been the two most disappointing teams this season. I I expected more from the Dockers, obviously, uh, following on from last year and the Suns. I mean, we every year we go into a year expecting a bit more from them, getting closer to finals, but they have just been disastrous in all honesty but Fremantle the complete opposite to the Crows they fail to score number one and actually they have not been able to lead at any quarter time this season they're the only team not to lead uh, after a first quarter of football which is extremely interesting Um, and last week they just got absolutely hammered uh, against the Crows especially in turnovers Um, they conceded 78 points from turnovers last round so um, I think that was their most in any match over the last three or four years and then when you look at Gold Coast as well um, they've won just five quarters this season uh, which is the equal fewest in the competition I assume that's equal with either Hawthorne or North Melbourne Um, and they don't take enough marks inside forward 50. Their, their forward line, I know Max King's, uh, not Max, Ben, Ben King's still working his way back from that ACL injury, building up his fitness, but their forward line has been completely ineffective. And Fremantle's one strength this year has been their defense. Luke Ryan's having a career best season so far. Uh, Brennan Cox has been very good as well back there. I think they're one of the best teams in terms of uh, defending clearance and also um, defending clearances and also their one-on-one work. So uh, it's going to be extremely difficult for the Suns to generate any sort of momentum from scoring, I think, in this one. Yeah, it's really interesting because neither of these teams, as you said, are having great starts of the year. Uh, Gold Coast, disappointing, but also everything about their metrics kind of stacks up. They just beat them really bad. Really. Mm. Like you know, as like as to why they're continually being really bad, who knows? But their yeah. numbers confirm that they're not very good at football this year. The Dockers, however, they're fourth for inside fifties in the yeah. competition in terms of differential. So their ball line. movement is fine. But yeah, as you said, and it's also where they try. And, so if you bring up the uh, shot map as you can in the footy live app for the Adelaide versus Fremantle game, it's just very clear that they have very timid ball movement. So it's effective, but it's timid. And so they're having to have all their shots from you know outside that V where you want to like get high uh, efficiency shots from. So they're trying to score from the boundary. They're trying to score from positions where the opposition wants you to try and score from, and they're not doing it. So obviously the forward line patterns aren't working, but also that ball movement isn't being aggressive enough because you would have thought as the third best defensive team in the competition in terms of your back half, you could back yourself to take some risks 
And then, you know, if you do turn the ball over, it'd be okay. But like you said against Adelaide, that's where they got absolutely dominated in was turning the ball over with inside 50 kicks mm. and then getting scored against. So there's a mm. lack of intensity there in terms of their, their defending from the front half. And then there's a lack of, of, of like running gun or a lack of uh, aggression or just belief in their ball movement. And so it's really stagnant. It's really disappointing. Uh, that being said, they're my tip because, you know, they've still got that defensive integrity in the back <laughs> half and yes, they can't be any worse yeah. than Gold Coast. They're, they're the least worst team in this matchup, so yeah. I'll be tipping them. But uh, I'll be keeping an eye on that game, but I won't be watching every minute of it, I'll be honest with you all. <laughs> Friday night primetime, however, strap yourself in because Richmond Panic has uh, hit the Melbourne Airways. Absolutely, it has. It's blown up talkback. Yep. It's filled all the uh, 3AW, SEN, ABC, Grandstand. Everyone's just like the Richmond dynasty is over. Now, to be fair, I thought the dynasty was over a couple of years ago. Yes, so did I. But now, officially, yeah. this is officially it now. Like, yeah. no more belief. If they don't win this weekend, they're done. Yeah. Funnels out the door. Red pen, get them out. Fair enough. But, you know, no, I'm not saying this. I believe oh, this. I'm just saying that this I is do. what the, uh, <laughs> the media is saying. And obviously, you love a red pen through Richmond, so I, you're doing the same. I, because I was actually at that game last week, the Richmond Bulldogs game. Mm-hmm. And, Gordo, two, three years ago, Richmond don't Richmond weren't losing at the MCG and they weren't losing to the Bulldogs at the MCG. Yeah. Um, I, I just feel like that fear factor about them is gone. They built their whole dynasty really around scores off turnover and I think they're currently last, uh, not last, second last in that category this year. Yeah. So that fear factor is gone. Uh, the 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 stat that they've prided themselves on is gone. Uh, their best players are aging, and the injuries are starting to pile up. They lose Tom Lynch this week for a few, a couple of months, I think, and also Nank Nankervis as well. They'll be without an experienced ruckman for the next few weeks at least. So. Uh, I actually fear for them in this game against Sydney. I, I believe last week was the mark that the dynasty is well and truly over if it wasn't already done before that. But this week, I think it can actually get quite ugly. Um, without Tom Lynch up forward, without you know their, their potent midfield and you know their, their defence, Robbie Tarrant injured himself again. Um, and you're going up against Sydney, who absolutely dominate midfield. They, I think they're leading this year in inside 50s. Mm-hmm. They might be without Franklin, yes. They might be without the McCartan brothers in defense uh, due to concussion, which are two big losses. But, you know, if that, if that ball's getting smashed out of the middle in favor of Sydney, I think it can really get ugly for the Tigers. And like you said, primetime TV, the whole country will be watching. Um, yeah, it could be an ugly one for the Tigers. Yeah, so as you mentioned, they're number one for inside of 50s. And the other part here is they're, they're fifth Sydney in uncontested possession, so they can control the football the majority of the time when they want to on the outside. They obviously didn't do it very well against Port because they couldn't close out that game. And that's probably the only advantage that Richmond would have if it was a full-strength you know, Richmond unit, but mm-hmm. it's not. They're missing, missing some vets. Other vets are on, you know, into their twilight, twilight years. Yeah. You know, Lynch obviously will be missing, so... Yeah, it's very hard to see how, how Richmond, you know, stack up. And as you said, the dynasty is definitely over because of, you know, that that um because of that list that list demographic. Like they don't have it's like it's like the vets yes. and the and the rookies like mansion they're trying to do at Richmond, they're trying to do it at West Coast, they've been trying to do it at Geelong. Yeah, it's okay if you're winning, but if you're not, then all of a sudden it looks quite ugly and everyone puts you under the pump. So 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, very tough game. Hard to see Richmond. I won't be tipping Richmond either. I'll be staying far away from Richmond. Obviously, I think you will be as well. Yes, Swans all the way. Swans all the way. And Swans all the way in my second of the two multis, obviously, Thursday night and Friday night, my friends at Sportsbet for the insurance, same game multi. Uh, I've got Sydney by two goals as the first leg of my multi. Richmond has failed to cover the line in their last five matches without Toby Nankervis. Didn't think he was that important. I actually didn't think he was that good for Ruckman, but he's the linchpin of Richmond. When he doesn't play, they don't do that well. So Sydney mm. will win this by two goals or more. Chad Warner has recorded 30 disposals in three of Sydney's last four-night games. I'm going to him for 30 or more because, as you said, they're going to control the midfield. They love the uncontested possessions, and that's one of Richmond's weaknesses in terms of differentials. So mm-hmm. great matchup there for Chad Warner. Maybe even get him to your super coach. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll chat to you about that later. And Logan McDonald has recorded a goal from 32% of his inside 50 targets, the third highest in the AFL this year. So he's going to kick two or more. And if you want a bit more value, go for three. But you're currently at $8.75 in terms of value there. So plenty of value to be had. Obviously, gamble responsibly. And obviously, we're tipping Sydney. So we'll roll on a Saturday. We've already got through three games. And, uh, you know, Gather Round's only just getting started with the hidden game mm. of the week. And so we laughed at this. Oh, there's, <laughs> there's a game in the Adelaide Hills that only has one. This list. It, the ground only literally has like one stand and it's like a stand that you see at it's, it's, Paran Oval. It's smaller than the Waverley Park stand. It is. It's it's a tiny, tiny ground, but it's at the base of the uh, of the wineries in the uh, the Barossa in the Adelaide Hills. So I think there'll be lots of people, you know, making their way up there for a tasting and dropping mm. in to watch Brisbane versus North Melbourne, Adelaide Hills, Springs Road, Mount Barker. Simple question here. Let's focus on the Lions. Are they back on track, mate? They took down the Pies at home. Is yeah. it well, uh, I mean, top four, top two premiership favourites again? If this year is anything to go by, they 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 are premiership favourites when they play at home and when they play away, they are far from it. So, I mean, this is technically away from home. Uh, so it'll be good to see how they adjust again, but they're playing North Melbourne as well uh, in Adelaide. So, yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. I, I fully expect the Lions to win this one, Gordo. Um they're stronger against. Uh, they're stronger across every line, really, on the field. Um, I think one. I mean, we, we've spoken about their forward line a bit. Obviously, Danaher and Hipwood have been under the spotlight. Gunston as well. It, it worked a bit better last week against the Pies. Uh, Danaher stood up. He silenced a lot, a lot of his critics. Now it's all about how he can build that consistency. So that's going to be a watch for me as well. And also that connection between midfield and forward. Brisbane, obviously one of the best midfields in the competition. They're also the best um, best midfield in the competition in terms of clearances, but it's their post clearance ball work that is still remains a massive issue so they're getting the, their hands on the ball first but it's what they do with it after that uh they're actually ranked last in so um i, I suspect you know that number will rise a bit against north melbourne again i'm not expecting too much from the ruse in this one i'm not holding out much hope for them um but they do get ben mckay back the kangaroos which is you know a, a massive addition into that defense much needed one but he'll be tired uh, after playing on thursday night though so yeah that's true that's true he didn't get that uh i mean he got off his suspension <laughs> um so he will be playing for carlton as well um but yeah i i, I still 
North were quite impressive on Good Friday, must be said. Um, but in terms of their, I still think they've got a long way to go before we can really start to take them seriously. So, as you said, North were quite impressive on Good Friday. They went with the with the Blues for two and a half quarters. And yes, you know, Brisbane did take down Collingwood first game of the round. That feels like two weeks ago now. If If this game is tight, though, if North goes with Brisbane for two and a half quarters, are we backing Brisbane to be clutch enough to just, you know, put the foot down and kick away? Or does Brisbane need a front run? Like, are they are they okay with, like, their own internalised pressure? Because they, I think they walk into games like this and the personalities that you see there, the off-season chat that they've often provided, they feel like a team, even the way that, you know, uh, Fagan said to them, you know, oh, you know, it's a mulligan. You know, he had a bad game against Port, who cares, mulligan. Yeah. Are they front runners? Can they do it when they expected to? Can they can they ha- uphold themselves to standards? Or you know, yeah, if they do get challenged, is this a sneaky banana peel game that they could lose to North? Especially mm. being you know, random ground, foothills of Adelaide. Who's actually watching? Yeah, all that kind of stuff. Well, it, it'll send shockwaves across the competition if they don't win this one, Gordon. Um, I fully expect them to, yeah, take control of the game from the very first bounce. Their their forward line. It, <laughs> I'm speaking hypothetically a lot, but it should be too good for North Melbourne to withstand. Um, I know they do get Ben Mackay back, but there is a massive imbalance um, in terms of Brisbane's forward line, North Melbourne's defence, Brisbane's midfield versus North Melbourne's midfield, and obviously at the end of the ground as well. Nick Larkey's been very good and Zerhar, yes, but um, yeah, there's just too much experience and... um, expectation on this Brisbane side, hunger as well um, for the Lions. They, they they will have to win this game. It is it is a must, really. Yeah, it is a must. I'll be tipping Brisbane, obviously, but I would not be surprised if it's close. Obviously, a lot of hypotheticals, mm-hmm. but, uh, but yeah, I'm yeah. obviously tipping the Lions. A more palatable game. We head back to Adelaide Oval for the first half of two double headers. On Saturday and Sunday at the Adelaide Oval, you get your money's worth when it comes to uh, gather round Essendon versus the Bombers. And uh, another team that's disappointed greatly is the Bombers, in my opinion, because they got touted, as they do every preseason, it seems, as, uh, you know, premiership favourites. They currently sit fourth on the ladder, albeit due to a very soft draw, in my humble opinion. Mm-hmm. But are they showing that, you know, what... Kevin, uh, Kevin King, uh, David <laughs> King would say, you know, is PFI. Are they showing preliminary funnel integrity for you or has it just been a bit of the luck of the draw? Uh, luck of the draw. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Bombers fans. Um, yeah, I mean, who have they beaten this year? They're obviously playing GWS away from home. Um, oh, sorry, at home for the Bombers. It, it's a massive... Um, GWS is so inconsistent when they play away from home. They've obviously beaten Hawthorne as well. Um, so, yeah, there's a bit still there to, to to improve on for the Bombers, I think. What they are doing well, though, Gordo, is their, their um, attacking change from defensive 50. Redmond's been key for that. Um, they can score heavily very quickly. Jake Stringer as well was very impressive last week um, obviously with the four goals it could have ended up with about six or seven though really but 
Um, yeah, going up against Melbourne is a different beast. It's going to be a test for them. We are going to, it's, yeah, we're going to get a better look at the Bombers uh, this week for sure, um, especially on a on a ground like Adelaide Oval. It's not like they're playing in the country or anything, but um, yeah, Melbourne. It has to be said, I. They probably, um, after last week, I think the D's are the best team in the competition at the moment. Um, in terms of power rankings, I think they've leapfrogged uh, Brisbane. Um, and again, their forward line, they've, they've just got a plethora of options. Their depth runs so deep. Uh, they may even lead out this game. With Ben Brown coming back in, they could have three key forwards, which I think will be just too much for Essendon to withstand. Um and yeah, I, I can't really fault the way the D's are playing at the moment, even without Max Gorn. And going forward, the, the set shot accuracy, it, it's the best in the competition. 73% they're going at for set shots. So that's not only just being accurate in front of goal, but they're getting the ball in the right spots. Yeah, They're, they're hitting those high percentage areas um, and it, it, it's killing teams. So yeah, I, I cannot see an upset at all here to be quite honest with you no and I was concerned about you know Max Gordon being missing and Brody Gordon had to play a different role and he proved me completely wrong he's gone 21 22 disposals last two rounds he's looking like you know back to his best when he was an all-australian ruckman playing as an extra mid as well in that in that already stacked Absolutely. Melbourne midfield so they basically rank first in every possible metric you could want them to rank first in all around the ground they are yeah, now probably the clear the yeah clear premiership favourite after round four, albeit, uh, and they also run out games super well as well. So a lot of teams are fading late in games and you know getting that massive momentum shift that you often see. Mm-hmm. Uh, not the D's; they're the best fourth term uh, team in the competition. They're, they're you know leading by forty two points uh, overall. So all in the favour of the uh, the D's, and I'll be picking the D's, obviously. The big one, though, the crunch time one, another primetime game, another Adelaide side, Port Adelaide, Western Bulldogs, Saturday night. Doesn't get much better than this because literally every game, mm. Ken Hingley is fighting for his job. So last week, yep. he got lucky. Let's be honest. He got lucky. Yeah. And uh, the Port did it by two points against Sydney at the SCG, and obviously everyone is cock-a-hoot. They're all cock-a-hoot, how good's football, best thing ever. <laughs> we, we feel amazing things. He's getting spiritual. Yeah. He's getting emotional. Uh, another person likes to do that too is Luke Beveridge. He'd be getting spiritual emotional after a taut, tight fought win against the Tigers. Yeah. Which one was real? Which one was overrated? Who's got the form line here for you to pick them? I, I think... I think the Bulldogs, their win over Richmond was more real. I think they dominated that game. They controlled most of it. I know they let Richmond score, what was it, eight goals in a quarter or something like that. But outside of that, they were in control. They they stayed composed. They clawed their way back. Port Adelaide's, I don't want to take any shine off their win. It it was brilliant. No one expected that to happen. Um but it, it was just, it was a close game. Anything could have happened. That Ollie Florin kick after the siren, uh, I think any other day that could have sailed through. It, it, it was almost like it just hit a brick wall and just dropped that ball. Uh, everyone thought it was going in. So Port, very lucky in the end. But yes, a very good performance. Still need to see a lot from them though to, again, see them as a, actual contender for a top eight spot. Even though Alira Lee kept Buddy quiet that night, Gordo, they're one-on-ones this year in defense. They're actually the worst in the competition at. Mm-hmm. 
They they lose 37.3% of their defensive one-on-one contests. Um, and they're going up against the Bulldogs forward line that is just stacked with tools. Um, and also a guy called Bonton Pally. So, yeah, it, it's going to be a hard one for Port Adelaide in this one, even though they're playing at home in front of their home crowd, the dogs are uh, contrary to Carlton. Uh, they actually like playing at the Adelaide Oval. They've won four of their last six games there. So, um, yeah, I, this one will be interesting. I think the dogs have a lot to prove still and um, to win a lot of fans back. Uh, I think they could potentially get get one over the power here. There you go. I'm definitely leaning into the power. Um I think, you know, they break even around contested possessions and source football for mine. Mm-hmm. Power definitely has the outside uh, skill and outside ball movement that I think the, the Doggies have lost this year. I think they're still trying to bet in this different game style with, you know, so many more tools around the ground and just, you know, a different attitude to football. But more importantly, it's just in the arcs. So Port Adelaide, the fourth uh, most efficient team inside their own attacking forward 50 and the fourth best defensive team inside their defensive forward 50. Uh, so, yeah, for mine, I think Port at home are going to be too good. And, you know, another another big trademark, you know, milestone game in terms of first gather round, front of a whole a sold-out crowd full of their fans. They'll be doing it for themselves, be doing it for Ken. So I'm going with, with Port, but uh, definitely one to circle in the must-watch category. Back to the Adelaide Oval Sunday morning. We're seeing those, you know, those hangovers after a big port celebration. They're going to go and watch Geelong versus West Coast. And now let's mm-hmm. talk a little bit about your Hawks, a little bit about Geelong. You were there, obviously. Yeah. Uh, is a half a footy enough to say the Cats are back, mate? No, not really. I mean, they blew Hawthorne away, don't get me wrong, but they're not going to be going up against Hawthorne every week. And well, They are going up against West Coast this week, but, you know, yes, oh, they, um, they will, they will win. <laughs> they will win this week, don't you worry. Um, but are they back? I think it's a bit premature. Um, and again, one quarter of footy. I think over the first three rounds, Hawthorne's, Worst quarter has been third quarters. They've only scored one goal from their third quarters this year. And obviously Geelong took full advantage of that. For some reason, whatever's been said in the halftime break or what's been done in the halftime break for the Hawks isn't working. And yet uh, Geelong just exploited that to perfection. They were absolutely dominant. Um, Again, to say they're back at half time, we weren't saying they were back last week. So, um, yeah, the, the, I'm, I'm expecting them to blow the Eagles away. They've they've got their injury troubles, uh, West Coast, and still, uh, I think they've got a lot of their game plan issues. I think they're competing with Hawthorne really for that um, wooden spoon. To be honest, it's early rounds, but I think it's between those two teams. But I can't see Geelong losing this one. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. Uh, pretty harsh analysis there for uh, West Coast and not to be in the running with uh, North Melbourne, but obviously you know oh, two North, wins. North as well, I guess. Yeah. yeah, two wins are better than one, so they're already they're already ahead of the uh, the mark there. Very interesting you mentioned there about uh, Hawthorne being really poor in that third quarter. Uh, 
I'll have to double check these stats, but I think it's really common for super young teams to be quite poor in third quarters. And right. I think a lot of coaches have explained that it's just like it's the reset mentally. So, you, you know, yeah. it's really easy to get geared up in the warm up. You play your first two quarters, yeah. you do all your, you know, your non negotiables, your KPIs, whatever. Then there's that biggish break in the, at a half time, and it all of a sudden takes you a bit longer as youngsters yeah. to get straight back into that intensity. Whereas you're playing against the most experienced team in the, in the competition. Yeah, it's an interesting You've got to get belted in the third quarter. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, I, I recall in the second quarter saying to my brother sitting next to me, I'm like, gee, this is a very heated contest. Like, it was, it was, knocks there was uh yeah it's just a real intensity around the contest and the game in general um both teams it was a low scoring second quarter neither team really gave up much and yeah and then coming out of half time I, I remember thinking um gee how do we get back up to that level after Geelong kicked the first two goals or whatever um yeah I remember thinking that to myself and then the uh, avalanche happened after that. But, yeah, it's an interesting state you bring up there. and um, But, yeah, I, I can't really see the Cats losing this one, especially – I'll tell you what, Jeremy Cameron, it's an interesting topic, but he he's the best player in the competition. I don't think yeah. there's any doubt about that. He can do – he can kick goals from anywhere. He can mark the ball, obviously, mm-hmm. but also he's around the groundwork. He pushes up the ground, takes grabs, uh, does all the one percenters, and then he just – He's, he's so fit. He just runs to the other end of the ground to get the mark as well. He, he's he's at the start of the chains and he's at the end of the chains finishing, finishing them off. And last week was a really good reward for him, seven goals. I think he kicked six a couple of rounds ago as well against the Blues. He's unbelievable. And I'll tell you what, if we were handing out a Brownlow medal um, after round four, he would probably have it. Yeah. He's a... He's, he's hitting those basketball numbers. You know? yes. He's hitting those he's triple, a, doubles. triple doubles yeah. if they want. They're getting 20-plus disposals and kicking more than five goals. Fairly hefty. To do it two weeks out of four already is fairly absurd. Mm. Um, and one of those against Carlton, who, you know, is meant to be, you know, up there towards the end of the year. But uh, enough chat about that game. It's a clearly, you know, more charity <laughs> for the Cats. They'll get a couple of more soft wins before they get challenged and, uh, you know, critiqued for not being, you know, Premiership's favourites in about four weeks' time. Uh, you know, speaking of charity, we'll do some charitable conversations here about the Giants versus Hawthorne. They're off to Norwood Oval as well. Didn't get top billing at Adelaide. Yes, no, uh, that's fair enough. That's too. fair enough as well. <laughs> um, so, yeah, good first half from you guys. Well, maybe not good, but, you know, competitive first half. Yep. Are you confident on at least competing against the Giants or are you scared? I, I don't think... We're, we're not going to be good enough to... I mean, Hawthorne aren't going to be good enough to be putting together four-quarter efforts just yet. I think maybe towards... Maybe in the second half of the season, we'll see a bit more of that. But at the moment, yeah, it's going to be two good quarters of footy and two off or three and one or one and four. It's going to be very inconsistent. Um, last week, we saw two good quarters and then the avalanche. But against the Giants, Giants are so hot and cold. It's, it's almost hard to tell uh, what team is going to show up. But... Um, I, I'm expecting them to get the win, obviously. Um, it seems like one of those games where um, they'll turn it on uh, because, uh, yes, they are playing away from home, but, um, yeah, they're going up against one of the, the younger and less experienced teams of the competition. So they're a bit of a flat track bully in that sense. That I think, you know, Toby Green, your Josh Kelly's, your Cornelios, they're just going to feast on these young Hawks and they'll get the win. They'll keep the media pressure off them for one more week before it goes back on them when they lose next week to, you know, a, a middle of the roadside. So, um, 
yeah, that's that's how I see this playing out. Giants will win. They'll probably win by about fifty points. Um, yeah, I can't see much much good to come from the Hawks, especially Will Day. I haven't seen the updates from his uh, tribunal case right now, but he's been Hawthorne's best player this year and he'll most likely miss this game. So it'll be another tough one for the Hawks. There you go. And if you do want a betting angle, I'll get throwing a little freebie here. It's not going to be a same game, multi insurance game, but it could be very interesting nonetheless. I would uh, grab Hawthorne to win the second quarter and uh, GDOS to win the third. Uh, Hawthorne breaking even in their second quarters this year and obviously last week proved they can compete with the best and they're only uh, minus 25 compared to minus 56 on points differential this year for second quarters. That being said, however, they're the worst third quarter team in the competition, minus 147 uh, versus GBOS who are plus 13. So a little flip-flop there in the middle quarters to make that one interesting if you want to tune into the action at Norwood Oval. And finally... The end of the doubleheader, game of the round. It got cool. This could be anything, to be honest. So yeah. it's Collingwood versus St Kilda, Adelaide Oval. There's meant to be some rain around Saturday and Sunday morning. So this could be an old school mud yeah. pit, you know, Coliseum fight to the death, in which case it's game on for Ross Lyon and his Saints. Or, it, you know, the rain might not come at all. It could be a lightning fast Adelaide Oval track. And all of a sudden you got the <laughs> age old question Does the most exciting team in the AFL always beat? the most defensive, boring, ugly team in the AFL. Jeez. Yeah. Again, this is this is what we've spoken about all year, attack versus defense. But before I get into that, the poor groundsmen at the Adelaide Oval, they're going to be put through one of the toughest weekends of their life trying to keep the standard of the ground um, up to scratch. I think this is what, there's going to be six games at the Adelaide Oval, but this game is obviously going to commence straight after the Adelaide West Coast game earlier in the day. And like you mentioned, the rain as well, that's not going to help. So I'm interested to see what the, the condition of the ground is going to be come this final game of the weekend, but I'm looking forward to it. it we, we've had to wait for the best till last. Um, St. Kilda, obviously unbeaten. Um, and they're, they're quite happy with themselves, the Saints. They're happy with the way they're, they're competing. They're winning games. Um, not piling on massive scores, although they did crack the ton last week against the Suns. Mm-hmm. Not sure if we can read into that one too much. Um, yeah, there, there, there hasn't been a lot of reason to complain in terms of St. Kilda's perspective. I'm still not sure if this is going to stand up. And again, against Collingwood, a fast attacking team. Um it's going to be interesting to see how the Saints deal with this. This is their first real test of the season. Yeah. All, all year they've been playing above expectations. They've been playing with undermanned, you know, rosters, heaps of injuries. We'll just do effort. We'll just play by the non-negotiables. We'll defend hard and we'll score when we can and that will be enough. Mm-hmm. And it's been enough so far. Is it enough if Collingwood brings their, you know, number one general play tackling intensity is it enough if they bring their you know front half intensity is it enough if they kick set shots at 74 percent probably not but can St Kilda hang on for long enough to challenge all of those you know production values that that Colin would have that's that's the thing that we obviously can't answer because if we could we'd we'd make a thousand dollars a day gambling. <laughs> and we and we don't know that so we can't do that but yep. they are just that good defensively St Kilda that they could nullify Collingwood it's just have they shown it that they could do it 
every single play for four quarters against one of the top four teams in the competition? That's the big question. Yeah, it is. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to it because, again, I've been harsh on the Saints. I'll admit that. But um, I'm harsh for a reason, and that's because they were 5-1 and one last year. I did buy into them last year. Um, and they let me down heavily because they didn't even make finals after going 5-1. and one. So anything can still happen. I need to see it against the best teams in the competition, and this is our first real look at it. So um, if the Saints... I think I said this last week. If the Saints beat Collingwood, and I think they've got Carlton next week as well, they do at Marvel Stadium. If they, if they, even if they get one win out of the next two, I'll be on the St. Kilda train. I'm already on the train. I'm on the train. <laughs> the metrics just say that, you know, Ross the boss knows what he's doing. He can nullify. There was a little wobble last week against Brisbane. Maybe there's some bounce back ability here for the, for the Pies. But, you know, it's, it's a long weekend. All the expectations <laughs> on the Pies. It's a free swing for the Saints. The... Media will blow up if the Saints win, and I can't wait to see that. So they will. Yeah. I'll be backing hard. It's more of a, a gut bet, a heart bet, than is a head bet. But mm-hmm. I believe in Ross. I believe in this defense first tactic, at least until the troops get back. Saints in an upset. Boy, oh boy, wowee. Speaking of the best teams in the competition, it's time for our desktop decisions to close out mm. the podcast for round five. Gather around, everyone, because Supercoach Nikki G has your hot tip for the week. But first, yes. did you get the win on the weekend? I did. I am ranked 2,800 in Australia. 2,800 in Australia. Out of how many Supercoaches? Uh, let me do a quick search. Well, I'm in the top 1%, so put it top that 1%. way. Top 1%. There we go. Um, but yeah, so it's been a good start to the year. I've had a lot of luck with injuries. I've avoided a few players. Um, decisions this week... I'd only trade if you really have to. Um, I'd still squeeze out a bit of cash out of some of these rookies. Um, but if, if you're one of those unlucky ones, it still has Doherty in the side. Will Day, who has actually copped two games suspension. It's been upheld by the tribunal. And even Jared Witts, who was a laid out last week and is confirmed to miss this week as well for the Suns. Uh, I'd be looking to trade those guys and looking to bring in uh, some very, uh, very surprising uh, performing defenders like Luke Ryan. Jordan Dawson had a very good week last week. Stewart, I think, will go back into form soon enough. And if you have wits, I'd be uh, trading him out for the best ruckman in the competition, Tim English, at the moment, who hasn't scored under 130 this season. So that this week is my desktop decisions. There you go. Your big desktop decisions. It's been a big podcast yet again, but I will let you all go so you can prepare for a gather round. Uh, you know, thank you for listening. If you're listening to this on Thursday night, enjoy the whole weekend of football. If you're listening it throughout the weekend, as always, we hope that your team does really well unless they're playing our team, in which case we hope you lose. And therefore, go Tigers. And you know what? Even have a dip the Hawks. Go the Hawks.